Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house, everyone. Will you stand? We are going to sing to the King. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Man, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're so glad to see you here today. God has given us a beautiful day to be able to come into his house, be able to worship and grow with one another. I hope you've had that time to fellowship with one another, get to connect back over uh, after a long week. Um, I know we all come from different avenues and we, have, we do different things, but be able to come here and have fellowship with, with one another, that's what we want you to do and be able to catch up. So we hope you've had that time this morning. And you got some good coffee along with it. Amen. Yes, all right. It's good to see you. If you're a first-time guest, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. There is it on, in the chair back in front of you. Say that like six times fast. Um, there's In the chair back in front of you, there's a little connect card. If you could fill that out, we would love to get to know you and tell you all about our church. Um, just fill that out, and then right after service out these back doors, there's a connect counter there. And we have a small gift for you, uh, some Chick-fil-A. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And a mug. And we want to tell you all about our church um, and, and let you know how you and your family can fit in. All right. So but it's great to see you guys. And I know that uh, God has some really cool things in store for us today. So before we get to all that, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to ask his anointing on our services this morning. It's great to see you guys. Let's pray with, together. Lord, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you've been able to bring us all back together this morning. We pray for uh, 
those of us who are here and those who are not uh, able to be in attendance today, um, I pray that in any way, shape, or form that you can today, you reach every single one of our hearts. Uh, we want to grow into the be the people that you want us to be, God. We want to be all out for you. We want to be, uh, have that fire lit inside of us so that we can be that, that light, that shining blaze for you in this dark world that desperately needs to see us and what your love really is all about. We love you so much. And again, I'm so grateful for the people that are here this morning. I pray that as Brother Will, Will brings the word today that um, you give him the strength and the courage and the passion just right behind all that that you've uh, had uh, in, in that time of spending with him this week in preparation for that. You just speak right through him and penetrate our hearts and help us again to grow and uh, to be lifted up in the way that we, that we can. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Greet those around you and we'll get started in a few seconds.
things and every day I look around and I'm absolutely in awe of God's creation and all that he has blessed us with and given us and we get to enjoy it because we live here but more and more we look around and we see disappointment and discouragement and sickness and struggles and lives that are just a really heavy burden Sometimes it can be really hard. Sometimes that's because of circumstances that are completely out of our control. And sometimes it's our choices that create those circumstances that make our life hard, that give us that burden. Either way, we carry it. And we know that we will fail without a miracle. If you've been there, and he has made a way. Let me hear about that this morning. Okay? Give him praise for it because we need to be reminded, especially for those of us who are still in that place, who are lost and lonely, who are broken down, who are hurting, who are in need of that miracle. Let's be reminded this morning that God is still in the business of performing miracles. This is for the lost and lonely. 
struggling in God. I need a miracle. They need a miracle. And I just pray today that if they are that person, that they would take the opportunity this morning just to say your name, just to call on that name, Jesus, because we know that that name is full of miracle working power. It is for those that are struggling in so many areas of their life, God, and only you know what's going on with the folks in this room today. But I pray, God, that if there's one in this building that is not saved, that does not ask you to come and be the Lord of their life, that they would call on you, that they would come down here, that they would say your name, and they could experience your miracle-working power in their lives. And I'm so thankful, God, for that miracle power that you've displayed in my life and in my family's life. And I pray, God, that I don't forget about that, and that I praise you, and I thank you every day for all of those things that you've done for me. 
God, I pray a special blessing on Brother Will as he brings us the message this morning that we would take and that we would hear it and that we would embed those words into our heart. And God, once again, if there's somebody here that needs your miracle working power, I pray that they would call on your sweet name, Jesus, before it is everlasting too late. And it is in your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen, amen. What a God we serve, amen. G come on, God is awesome, and we're here to worship Him today. Thank, thank you so much for, for being here. We're, we're just a few weeks into college football, and man, it, it, I was reminded last night, you're only as good as your last win. And, and if you're a coach and you start losing, people call for your head and call for your job. It's just about like being a preacher, let me tell you, let me tell you. Hey, we're here today because Jesus loves us and Jesus died for us and Jesus knows you personally. And today I believe that Jesus is speaking to your heart and God has a message for you to hear. This is personal today. God is going to talk to you this morning and tell you specifically what he wants you to be doing in his kingdom. I've got a story I want to read to you. It's an awesome account in the book of Ezekiel. Actually, we're going to look at chapter 1 and part of chapter 2, so you can turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 1, or you can look on the big screen. I've decided to read it out of my Bible this morning, and so I've got to put those glasses on. Don't I look good in these clear glasses that you can't even see back there? Oh, yeah, come on. Here's what he says. When I saw it, what's the it that he saw? We're going to talk about that in a moment. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard a voice speaking. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I listened to the one who was speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate. They are hard-hearted, and I am sending you to them. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. And you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet, a man of God, a preacher has been among them. And Lord, I pray that today we would know that the Holy Spirit of God is with us and that the Word of God is speaking to us. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would open our hard hearts and I pray that we would be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he calls us to do what you have created us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the crises that is facing today's church is the lack of not just young people, but people in general who are giving their lives to what I call full-time gospel service. Now, of course, if you're here today and you have been born again, you are part of the family of God, God has a call on your life. There is something specific God has gifted you to do, and God has called you into his kingdom work. It's, it's kind of like, Jason, it's kind of like being on a football team. You're on God's team. And he doesn't want you sitting on the bench or even up in the stands. He needs you down on the field where all the action is. He's got something for you to do. Another relation or correlation is that we're in an army now. 
We are in the army of God. And you can't be hiding in your bunker when the war is raging on the field. God wants you out there serving him. And so he has something for you to do. But from the earliest days of the church, there have been some people, certain individuals in the church set apart from secular vocations in order to serve God in a full-time capacity, whether that be a, a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or a children's pastor or a youth pastor or an executive pastor or a worship leader or a prime-timer pastor. God has called certain ones into a specific field of full-time service. But I read a news article this past week that said the number of clergy ages 30 and younger has dropped dramatically in the worldwide church. And they gave examples of certain denominations, which is showing the, the age increase of pastors and how few there are of younger pastors. And I read all of these statistics, and I said, well, you know what? That, those are other denominations. I, I wonder what it's like in the Free Will Baptist denomination. And so I called our headquarters in Nashville, and I talked to Ryan Lewis, and I said, Ryan, I know a couple of years ago we did a study on this. W would you send me the results of that so I could be reminded? And, and he did. And here it is, here's the way it is with us as a, a Free Will Baptist Church. 55% of our pastors are over the age of 50. And if you just move back to the age of 40, 80% of our Free Will Baptist preachers are over the age of 40. And what really alarmed me is this, only 4% of our preachers are under the age of 30. I mean, we are, we are in a crisis. Another article I read had this headline, at Christmas, church pews may be full, but it's getting harder to fill the pulpits. And it's an article all about the, the, the lessening of and the shortage of pastors in America. But you know what? You, we could say that about churches and Christian service within churches. When I first started doing ministry a long time ago, the number was 80-20. That is, 80% of the work in a local church was only done by 20% of the people. But that number, I believe, has even changed after COVID and in the world we're living in today. I would speculate that in the normal church, 90% of the work is only done by 10% of the people. And that's a crying shame. I could write a country song on that, couldn't I? It's got to be a crying shame. Now, let me tell you. Kavanaugh's the exception. We're, we're a little above that. But, but I, would, I would dare say ours is somewhere around 50-50. 50% of the work is only done by 50% of the people. But you know what? We can do better than that. Because we're all on the team. There is a game going on on the field. There is a war that is being waged, and Jesus is calling all of us to participate. There is something he needs you to be doing in his kingdom this very day. We've just got to hear him. Well, the prophet Ezekiel has something to tell us about all this. Look at the way he opens the book in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. There he tells us two things. He tells us his age and he also tells us his location. He is 30 years old plus four months and five days. He was by lineage a priest. And according to Numbers chapter 4, priests were to begin their priestly service at the age of 30. From zero to 30, they would be in training, but when they turned 30, man, it was on. But here he was four months and five days past his 30th birthday, and he had done absolutely nothing for God. And he felt extremely useless. Why? Well, because he wasn't among the worshipers at the temple in Jerusalem. 
Here he is among the exiles by the Kabar River in Babylon. He had been caught in one of those early invasions by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He had been seized and dragged away from his homeland. He had been taken 900 miles away and placed in a refugee camp south of the great city of Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar had his palace and his hanging gardens. Now, Ezekiel had been looking forward all his life to that moment when he would be set aside for his priestly service. He had been training for the day in which he would be officially installed into the priesthood. And just when that moment was about to come, he was caught in the middle of a war zone, seized by Gentile troops, torn from his homeland, and exiled into a refugee camp. And you thought you were having a bad day. Hmm? Let me back up just a second and ask the question, do you remember what it was that priests did in the Old Testament? Well, they offered sacrifices and they served in the house of God, which is the temple. And here at the Kabar River, there were no altars, no sacrifices, there was no temple. There was nothing for Ezekiel to do. And he must have been emotionally and spiritually desolate. His morale was gone. His life training seemed to be wasted. His life's purpose was gone. My lands, he needed Deion Sanders to encourage him. And then three things happened to him in rapid succession. Wham, bam, boom. That reminds me of the old Batman shows in the 60s. Wham, bam, boom. I lost half of you right there. Go back and watch them. And from that moment, Ezekiel became one of the most effective and powerful men that God ever planted on this earth. This is the story of how God called him from being a useless priest into a greatly used prophet and man of God. The Lord did three things to him. And I suspect the Lord wants to do the same three things to you. Will you let him? Now, you're going to stiffen up on this first one, and you're not even going to want to know the second one when I tell you the first one, because here's number one. Sometimes God has to knock us on our faces. Look at verse 28b. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down. And I heard the voice of one speaking. Now, this was Ezekiel's reaction to the unexpected vision that he experienced in the opening chapter of his book. So let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles at the Kabar River, the heavens were open, and I saw of God. What did he see? Of God. Visions of what? Of God. Now, the reason I want to emphasize that is because as you go on to read chapter 1, it is so easy to get distracted by all of the strange descriptions Ezekiel gives us of the trappings that are around the throne of God. There's a wheel and a wheel inside of the wheel and all this blazing magnificence going on. But the main point of it all is of the majesty and the grandeur of the throne of Almighty God. That's the focus. Let me just share a couple of verses with you so you can see it. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. And brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. 
And he goes on to give us a mind-boggling description of those four living creatures, which later he tells us are an order of angels known as cherubim. Now, now skip on down to verse 25, would you? Am I boring you? Hang with me. Hang with me here. Verse 25. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Whew. Here Ezekiel was. One moment, he was a defeated, useless priest. 30 years old and no future in front of him. No temple, no sacrifice, no home, no homeland, exiled and defeated. Then the very next moment, he encounters the living God who reigns over heaven and earth, the one who is in total control of his creation. One moment, Ezekiel's face is downcast and the next moment, he falls on his face in worship and in utter terror of the fear of the Lord. Come on. That is awesome. Church, one of the reasons I believe so few people today are going into the ministry and into the Lord's work is because we, we have somehow or another lost the sense of the majesty and the grandeur which belongs to God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ who reigns on the throne of heaven. You see, if we don't have a vision of who God is, it is very difficult for us to acquire much of a vision of what God wants us to do. And if we would serve God as we should, we must see him as he is. And so today my prayer is that some way or another in your own heart and mind, you would see God as he is. Now I'm not suggesting that we need to have a vision like Ezekiel had or even an electrifying experience like some of the heroes of, of the faith my mind immediately goes to Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah had an encounter with the Holy God. Remember that? He was in the temple that day. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And you know what Isaiah did? He said, woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You talk about a vision. He had one. Ezekiel had one. Maybe you're not going to have a vision like that, but listen to me, church. We do need to open our Bibles, and we do need to open our hearts and ask God to give us an understanding of who He really is, His greatness, His glory, His sovereignty. Has it, has it ever dawned on you how majestic and mighty our Lord is, or have we lost the wonder of it all? Man, I, I just pray God would get a hold of our hearts. And, and, and guys, I love you. I love you so much. But let me tell you, here's our problem. Here's your problem. Here's my problem. We get so wrapped up in our own little world, doing our own little thing, which, by the way, is important, okay? 
We've got jobs to work. We've got families to take care of. We've got bills to pay. We have health issues to deal with. We've got this whole world spinning out of control all around us with craziness going on. And if we're not careful, we will allow the world and the things of the world to consume us. And all we're focused on and all we see is our own little world. God needs to knock us on our faces and open our eyes and our hearts so that we can see the world as he sees the world. Because you may not like hearing this, but it's not just about you. It's about him and his kingdom. Why? Why have, Jason, why have we not had more of our young people not only come to faith in Jesus, but answer that call into full-time Christian ministry? Well, maybe it's because as a church and as adults, we have not allowed our worship services and our lives and our homes to be conducive for God to speak to them. They've got to see God first before they can answer that call. Well, let me tell you, Ezekiel didn't stay on his face very long. So if you're on your face, time, time to get up. Because God takes us from our face and he stands us on our feet. God wants to stand you up today. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. He said to me, son of man, stand up on your feet because I've got something to say to you. And as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. The person God uses is the person who is enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit to consistently hear and obey the Word of God. Now, at the end of chapter 2, we have this portrayed to us in in rather a graphic way. So let me just read this to you. Hang with me, okay? You hanging? Say, yeah, preacher, I'm hanging. Okay, here we go. And I know this is not as exciting as that Colorado-Colorado State game last night. How many of y'all stayed up and watched that, by the way? Oh, none of you did. Wow. So you don't know how exciting it was, all right? Maybe this is pretty good. I don't know. Ezekiel 2.8. And you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. So I looked and I saw a hand reaching out to me, and there was a written scroll in it. When he unrolled it before me, it was written on the front and the back. Words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on it. And he said to me, son of man, eat what you find here. Eat this scroll, then go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Son of man, he said to me, Feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll that I'm giving to you. So I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. That's pretty cool. This this is just one snapshot or picture that we quite often see in the Bible when it comes to, to Bible study and devotions and reading the Word of God. We are to eat the Word of God. David compared Bible study to eating food in Psalm chapter 19. Listen to what Jeremiah said in chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. Who's getting hungry? Everybody getting hungry? Yeah, you'll, you'll be out of here pretty quick. We're, we're, we've got all the kids in. Man, I am so, can I just stop right here and say, I'm glad to have my kids in. Got the whole family in. There's old Zane. Everybody say hi, Zane. He's doing good. He's, he's down in Houston working. Got him a real job. Kyle, thanks for that. Got him a real job making money. We're so, and there's Miss Callie. So good to have Callie. Say, hey, Callie. Callie's uh, starting her second year of law school in, uh, in Denver, and, and uh, great to have Callie here. Of course, there's, there's Tyler and Whitney. It's always good to have them. Mom and Dad, Angie. We're about to go home to 905 Cary Lane, and we're going to have a meal together. And you know what's so, going to be so exciting about our meal together? Ella Jane, Archie, and baby Jules. That's why it's going to be exciting, all right? It's it's an experience, but there are two ways you can eat a meal. 
There's the American way, and then there's the European way. Now, Callie's been on mission trips before. She knows the, the European way. There are several countries in Europe where an evening meal is, is really an experience. It lasts an hour and a half, two hours. There's several courses. You, you linger over the food and over the conversation, and, and you kind of kick back, and you're eating and digesting and enjoying it. That's the European way. American way is just a little bit different than that. In America, we don't even stop the car. We just drive by the fast food restaurants. They throw the food at us, and we eat it on the run. Something akin to that happens in Bible study. For those who even have their daily devotions, did you pick that up? Sometimes we just rush into it, we gulp down a quick passage, we open a little devotional guide, and we swallow the whole page. And there's no time for any real depth, no lingering over the passage, no time to chew it, swallow it, digest it, or let it assimilate into our minds and our hearts. Here's what I would like to suggest to you today, that if God is going to call you into his service in one capacity or another, we've got to be serious partakers of the Word of God. You you may not have one hour or two hours a day to devote to it, but you know what? We must have daily time with God in which we're not rushed. We need to linger over the Word of God. We need to read it. We need to chew it, swallow it, digest it, allow the Word of God to take root in our heart and assimilate into our minds. Can can I tell you something? It is better for you to spend five minutes thinking through and praying over one verse of Scripture than it is to rush through five chapters and get absolutely nothing out of it. All you need is a Bible and the discipline to set aside some time every day Forget this, a private appointment with the commander-in-chief of the universe, listening to God. So the Lord knocks us on our face in worship to him. He stands us on our feet to speak to us. Then what does he do? Well, finally, number three, he sends us on our way to do ministry. Look again at chapter 2, verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I'm going to speak to you. And as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said, Son of man, I am sending you. I'm sending you. Does that sound familiar? Well, it's all through the Bible. I was recently reading through the Gospel of John, and I was amazed at how many times you read the word sent or sinned. In fact, those words occur in every single chapter of John except for three chapters, 2, 19, and 21. Jesus talked about it in his own regard. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then in John chapter 20, verse 21, he looked at his disciples and he said to them, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Can you hear him? Because he's whispering that same thing to you right now. I'm sending you. You say, but Lord, I've I've got other plans. And he says, but I've sent you. You say, Lord, I I don't want to go where you want me to go. But but he says, you're sent. You say, Lord, I'm afraid to be your witness. They they may reject my appeal. Uh Uh-huh. To answer that, let me just take you to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 4. The people to whom I am sending you, Ezekiel, are obstinate. They are stubborn, hard-hearted. 
You say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid. I love stories of of church history. When missionary Francis Xavier entered Japan in the 16th century, he was surprised to find that some people there had already heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were descendants from Christians who long before had immigrated from China and Korea and the Middle East. And as Xavier preached the good news of the gospel, these people came back to the Lord with all of their hearts, and a great Christian movement spread across Japan. Within one year, nearly 100,000 had experienced a revival, and in time, about three million Japanese came to know the Lord. The 16th century became known as the Christian century in Japanese history. I did not know that, did you? But then an evil dictator arose and initiated a program of persecution that lasted 250 years and led many people dying for their faith. Estimates range from 100,000 to a million Christians were killed. It decimated the church in Japan. It, It all began on February the 5th, 1597, on a hilltop in Nagasaki. 26 individuals were led up to this hill where 26 crude crosses had been made and were lying there, waiting to attach these 26 people and crucify them. The oldest was a 64-year-old man. The youngest, a 12-year-old boy named Khan. A government official came to this young man, 12 years old, and said to him, son, I hate to see you die on this cross today. It it will be so easy for you just to recant your faith in Christ and to save your life. To which this 12-year-old boy said, Sir, it would be much better for you to pronounce Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can go to heaven where I'm going today. And then something amazing happened. This 12-year-old boy said words which will live in Japanese church history until Jesus Christ returns. Sir, he asked, which is my cross? The shocked government official led the little lad to the smallest cross and said, there it is. And he took it up and died on it that day. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And I guess the question we've got to ask is, Lord, which one is my cross? God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Lord, how can you use me in your kingdom? In order for us to get to that point, we've got to be knocked on our face in worship to God. That is, we need to recognize the majesty of God. And church, I just pray that you get a glimpse of the glory of God today and you see yourself as you really are in desperate need of Him. And then He stands us up on our feet so that we can listen to Him. That is God's message, and he is speaking to you. My prayer all week is, Lord, as I'm speaking on the outside, I pray that the Holy Spirit would whisper into everyone's ear, God has something for you to do. God has gifted you. God has called you. You are in this place and time and in this church today because he has something for you to do in his kingdom. So, friend, Get off the bench, get out of the bleachers, and get on the field. And then he sends us on our way to evangelize. That's God's mission. We have the good news, friend. 
And God's called us to share it. If the world is going to know how to be saved, it's because you're going to tell them. If you're lost friends and family members, who, by the way, if they're lost, they are on their way to hell. If there is any chance for them to be saved and make it to heaven, it is because you, nobody else, you love them enough to open your mouth and tell them the plan of salvation. You know what? For most of us, that scares the living daylights out of us. I could never do that. You're wrong, friend. You can do it. And you know what? We're going to teach you how. All you have to do is join one of our C groups that are about to start next month. We're going to spend six weeks talking about how we can be soul winners. It's a simple plan of salvation that we can share with lost people. It is as simple as, see, you already know it. God's going to empower you to do that because if the world is going to know, it's because you care enough to tell them. And then, you know what, whether they listen or whether they don't listen, that's not up to you. Your job is to tell them. You plant the seed, you water. God's the one who gives the increase. And whether they listen or don't listen, yet, here's what our passage says, they will know that a prophet has been among them. So, Real simple, if you're here today and you've never received God's gift of salvation, I sure would like to share that with you. You can be saved today. God can change your life. You, you can change roads and start on the way to heaven today. How do you get to heaven? It's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. We all are. Believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, and he is the only way of salvation. He is. And see, confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. If you've never done that, please, when I give the invitation a moment, would you come and receive that gift of salvation? If you're here and you are a believer, you are a Christian, boy, I'm, I'm just I'm praying that God would show you who he is today, that he would call you and that you would hear his voice and that you would come and lay your life on the altar and say, Lord, Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however you want to use my life, I'm, I'm available. And then do it. And then I'm going to ask you to do something else, church. Would, would you join me and let's pray together. God, raise up out of Kavanaugh Church pastors, missionaries, evangelists, full-time Christian servants. Would you, would you pray with me about that? But understand this, you're, you're actually praying, God, would you speak to my kids and my grandkids? Would you call them? And, and yes, Lord, help me to be supportive. R really what I'm asking you, church, is let's, let's have a church that is open to and conducive to hearing God call us, and we respond with a yes. I think it's so much easier for your kids and grandkids to say yes to the call of God on their lives when they know that you are the real deal and that you have said yes to God as well. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd do something really special in this invitation. I pray that as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, that you would knock us on our face in worship of your majesty. Lord, stand us on our feet as you speak your word into our hearts. And then, dear Lord, I pray that you would send us out into this world to be a light to a dark, dark world. Lord, I know that you're talking to individuals here today, and I, I just pray that you would make it you would make it compelling and, yes, even easy for us to step out and come today and pray. For those who need to be saved, may they come and receive that gift of salvation. For, for others who just need to hear the call and say, yes, speak individually to us. And above all, may you be glorified and praised. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, and as soon as you stand...
just come ahead and step out. Come, come to the Lord today. As he calls you, come and say yes to him. Come on, right now. speaks to you, would you come and pray? Come on. Come and pray with me. Let's pray together that God would call from our church workers who say yes to God's call in their life. Would you? Would you come and pray that? pray that we would see your majesty today, that we would hear your message, and that we would follow you in service. Please, dear Lord, help us to be on mission with you. Help us to say yes to the call that you place on our life, and help us to always be about your business. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. You can be seated just for a moment. I want to share a couple of things with you, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. As you walk out the room today, make sure you put your offering in one of those black boxes. Appreciate that. If you are a guest, fill out that Connect card, take it to our Connect counter, and uh, we've got a gift for you, okay? C-groups, sign-ups are going on in the lobby right now. In fact, if you noticed out there, there are all those C-group sign-up tables uh, with the host behind the tables. Uh, find you a group that is conducive with a good time for you and go ahead and sign up to it. You'll notice that we, most of our groups are going to meet on Sundays. I think there's like nine of them meeting on Sundays. Seven of them are here at the church, and there's, there's a couple of meeting in homes. Then we've got, uh, we've got a couple of groups or one group meeting on Monday and then two groups meeting on Tuesday. I'm teaching one of those on Tuesday. It's an early morning Bible study, 7.15 to 8 o'clock. It's men only. Now, don't throw paper wads at me. They're, ladies, what I'm trying to do is straighten out the men for you, okay? Is that, does that work? Men only. That one's going to be done at 8 o'clock. Then on Thursday night, there's another group. The important thing is that you find a group and sign up and be a part of that group. It's only for six weeks, okay? But in those six weeks, we're going to learn how we can be a better witness for the Lord. And we're also going to connect with other people and grow in relationship and in community and have prayer going on for one another. So sign up in a C group. Uh, this Wednesday night, we've got uh, church going on. Devin's going to be speaking in here to the adults. Devin always does a fantastic job. This Thursday, prime timers are going to meet at 1130. Saturday is the men's prayer breakfast. And then next Sunday is the big day. It is our back to church Sunday. See, people are already excited about it. It's going to be great. In your chair, you'll find maybe a couple of cards. These are, these are handout cards that you can take and, and invite people with. Invite them to come to church next Sunday at the 1030 hour and be in worship with you. And then make sure they come back on Sunday night from 5 to 7. 
it is going to be absolutely fantastic. All the food that you can eat, it's all free, hot dogs, hamburgers, fried Oreos. Have you ever had a fried Oreo? Let me tell you, they're, they're absolutely delicious. They're, they're one step above strawberry Pop-Tarts, all right? So they, they really are good. Uh, it's going to be a carnival. There are going to be rides, games to play, and uh, Brother Johnny is needing help running some of these carnival rides. If you've ever wanted to be a carny, this is your chance, all right? But no matter what, make sure you're here next Sunday night, 5 to 7 o'clock. It's an outreach that we're going to have for our community. We want people to come and realize that, you know, Christianity, these Christians can have fun. They're not so bad. They're pretty cool. And so let's make sure plenty of people come and enjoy that time together. Sound good? More of these cards are available out there if you want to pick up a few and, and pass them out. I hope you have an awesome, wonderful day. Please, before you leave, please pray for Brother Bill Little. Bill had heart surgery this past week, had to go back into the hospital. He's there right now. Pray for Brother Bill Little. Uh, pray for each other. Stephen's, Stephen's dad passed away this past week, so pray for that family as well. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday.